Warning, this podcast may be disturbing to some listeners. Due to the graphic nature, listener discretion is advised. Welcome from wherever you are. This is The Demon Inside with your host, John Venom. If you want to review a different episode of The Demon Inside, you can find them on Spotify or Anchor. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. A new episode will come out every Monday. And now, to our show. We'll be right back after these messages from our sponsors. Welcome back to The Demon Inside. Um, Sherry, this is Andre. I need y'all's help. Something bad is happening to me, and it keeps happening, and I don't know what's going on. I need some help. I think I'm... I think I'm in hell. I I need help. Somebody needs to come and help me. I need help. Bad. I'm desperate. I'm afraid to go to sleep. So when you when you get this message, come come out of the house, please. Hello. Okay. This guy is giving a whole new meaning to the word bizarre after he tells a prison guard. This little graphic. He ripped out his own eyeball and then ate it. Makes your stomach turn, right? Andre Thomas is currently on death row in Texas for killing his estranged wife's 13-month-old daughter. This was in 2004. Since being in prison, Thomas has plucked out both of his own eyeballs. Despite his behavior, a judge has ruled that he's competent to stand trial. But after his latest antics, his lawyers are saying he is clearly mentally ill and should not be executed. Hello, my Demon Insiders, and welcome back to The Demon Inside. I'm your host, John Venom. And today we are going to be talking about The Demon Inside, Andre Thomas. So... This is going to be my season finale for the first season, season one. And before I continue, let me just say thank you to all my listeners. You guys, y'all have made this podcast fun for me. Um, When I first started, I really didn't think I was going to do 48 shows, but here we are. And I'm doing a season finale. And season two will start in October. I just needed a little break in between, just kind of get my bearings and try to come out with a better format and try to stick to it this time. But I really do thank you guys for listening to this podcast. You guys are the best. So let's continue with the demon inside, Andre Thomas. So, Andre Thomas was born in March 17th, 1983. And he was born to a mother and father who were 
decent people. Uh, the only problem was his mother was a diagnosed schizophrenic. According to her, she could hear voices. She could hear God. She could hear demons. She could hear angels. Her mother was able to do the same. She could hear God. She could hear demons. She could hear angels. So at the age of 10, Andre Thomas started hearing these. Now, I was looking up research and... Auditory hallucinations usually don't start until the teens. At 10, it's very, very, very rare. So, this is where I'm starting from with Andre Thomas is... He was already hearing the voice of God as a 10-year-old. He was hearing angels and demons fighting. What would you do if you heard... The voice of God. What would you do if you heard demons and angels and you heard what they were talking about? At 10 years old, could drive you nuts, which is what's happening with Andre. So at 10 years old, the voices started getting to be too much. And his brother as well also had the voices. And we'll come back to that in a little bit. But so hearing these voices, Andre couldn't take it anymore. And he started drinking and doing weed to kind of calm the voices. And sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. It, it, come, it comes and goes, you know, with anything. And you got to remember, too, demons... They don't just sit in you the whole time. They come and go as they please. Because they... I mean, honestly, they don't have need for you when you're 10. But they want to establish that they have you. And this could have been passed from grandma to mom to the kids. So, Andre... At 10, tried to commit suicide, cut his wrist. And his father, who wasn't very supportive, uh, supposedly told him that uh, he was doing it wrong. He should cut his wrist long ways. His mother, on the other hand, she was very... Um, Religious, to say the least. So they would go to church all the time. And a lot of it wasn't just to go pray at the church. They had very hard times at home. They, their electricity would get shut down. Their water would get shut down. Uh, they needed a place to keep warm or keep cool. Uh, and so they would go to the church. Their church was kind of a sanctuary for them. And this is where he started learning more and more about the Bible at 10. Before he hit 10 years old, people were saying that he could be a genius. He was 
very smart, very intelligent. He would answer questions that the teachers were asking even before they would finish asking the question. He would um, draw futuristic cars because he liked to tinker with machines. He would actually take his father's car apart and put it back together. Uh, I don't think at 10, but nobody hasn't said anything about that. Uh, I'm assuming maybe he was a teenager, but this was something that he liked to do with his hands. He liked to work. So at age 13... Uh, the voices again were coming back and forth and again he tried to kill himself couldn't do it continued on through life starting to get into trouble at age 15 he goes into like jail you know for stealing a car uh, he's getting into little mishaps here and there but he meets a girl Lauren now this is the love of his life till today he even says that she's the love of his life so they get together and within months she becomes pregnant he decides to be a better man than most people would be and this is at age 15 he drops out of school, tries to get his GED, and he starts working full-time, two jobs, to support her and the baby. Her family, they actually like him. They say he's a great guy. He's very well-mannered, very smart, intelligent. And so they accept him. At age 18, they both finally get married. But within two weeks, they're separated. Her mom says that they have to find their own place and she throws them out. So she ends up staying with the parents and he ends up leaving and staying with his brother. So a couple of years go by uh, and Andre has a fight with his brother in 2003. His brother tells Andre to lower the music in his room because he could see the demons coming out of the walls. Andre and him get into a fight and Andre stabs him. They end up arresting him. And... After a while, he gets back out of prison. He, like I said, he's in and out of prison. And uh, in 2004, March of 2004, Andre decides that he's going to kill himself once again. So he actually takes a knife, stabs his chest, and his friend that he sees him tells him you know hey you need to get to a hospital he drives him there the people at the hospital they they deal with this cut but they don't deal with his mental health issues what happens is 
they don't have the rights to keep him there under the law. So he leaves. On March 26 of 2004, Andre is spending time with uh, his ex-wife, Laura, her new boyfriend, and Andre and her had a kid, a boy, he was four at the time, and Laura had a one-year-old with her new boyfriend, and they would all get together, being civil, for the kids, you know, and Andre still believed that this was the love of his life. So he wanted to be around her. And I think he felt safe around her. And maybe the voices didn't come out as much. But on March of 26 of 2004, Andre starts getting a feeling that her boyfriend wants to kill her and he keeps thinking that he's going to kill her and he has to kill the boyfriend first so he goes into the kitchen and grabs a knife he realizes and comes to his senses and he doesn't do it but the next day at 7 in the morning he's walking to Laura's house He sees the boyfriend who nods at him, and Andre takes the nod as a yes, you can go kill her. Because by this time, God had told Andre to kill Laura and her two kids. Because Laura was the Jezebel, and his son was the Antichrist. We'll be right back after a few words from our sponsors. Welcome back to The Demon Inside. I'm not going to describe the killings because I'm going to let him do that. I have a recording of the interrogation of Andre Thomas. Now, it's a reenactment. I really wish it would have been... The actual one, because maybe I could have heard something in the background like I did on that one show where you hear the laughing of the demon. But take a listen to the interrogation of Andre Thomas. Okay, Andre, I know it's kind of hard, but we need you to speak up when you talk, okay? Okay. Like I said, I'm a little hard of hearing, so it helps me if you kind of talk loud. Okay. I was, uh, before the... Before I went over there and killed, uh, I had been listening to some videotapes with my wife's boyfriend. His name is Bryant Hughes, and it was some tapes about uh, about some kind of secret organization called the... Um, I don't know. The tapes were talking about uh, like these people that were going to like rule over other people. You know gonna enslave other people to be like a separate class of people and made it out to be a conspiracy he was talking about some kind of secret god clan that made a pact in the beginning that um, they were either all going to rise together or all fall together and that uh, they were supposed to come down here and kill all these people 
I felt like everything was a conspiracy. Felt like everybody was listening to everything I was saying. Everything. I felt like the government was like after me. Uh, I felt like they was listening. It felt like end of the world type thing and that they were all like listening to what I was saying and watching every move that I made. I had been reading Revelations a lot up until then and I started thinking about time and how time really doesn't exist, you know? And how we could be living in a time when, you know, the wool's been pulled over our eyes. Like the Matrix. And I was like, well, that means we're slaves then. We're all slaves. I had the diagram that uh, Carmen had drew on this yellow notepad with a pyramid and an evil eye. A pyramid on the back of a dollar bill. It had a door on it though, and the door was open. And inside was this man. He was laying down like he was dead, I guess. I don't know. And she said that it was me. And I was like, so you mean to tell me I'm trapped in a damn pyramid? And I was like, well, what the fuck? I didn't choose to be trapped in this pyramid. So I figured I was going to let myself out. I thought that like, uh, somehow I played this role in ending all of this for everybody. Like I was chosen or something. I don't know. What made you think you were chosen? I remember I had some dreams somewhat similar to it, and I related it all. So what what made you decide to kill them? I thought that the way the guy on the tape was talking, he said that these demons and Jezebel and all these people, they could be humans, cuddly as can be. And my son kept on trying to talk to me while I'm trying to listen to this tape. I was like, hey, I was like, I'm trying to get educated. I kept on trying to listen, and the more I tried to listen, the harder he tried to distract me and try to talk to me. And I was like, man, it's almost like he don't want me to get educated on the subject. Like, uh, maybe, maybe, you know, he was like the Antichrist or something. Maybe, maybe he's disguised his appearance or something, you know, uh, to look like you know, a little four-year-old boy to where I couldn't differentiate who it was. My wife, she, uh, she kept, she was like acting nervous. And the more I listened, the more nervous she got. So I figured she had to be Jezebel because she was scared. Their little, their little girl was involved with it also. And the morning that I went to go kill him, I walked upstairs and I grabbed the door handle and uh, I knocked at and then I grabbed it and busted it open with my shoulder and Laura came running out of the room. I already had a knife pulled and said, no. And I grabbed her and I said, you. That's all I said was, was you. And I, uh, I stabbed her in the heart. She fell on the floor and started bleeding out. And then I, uh, jabbed the knife into her chest and reached down inside and ripped out her heart then I um, ran to the back room and uh, uh, I ran in there I think I stabbed my son next with the smaller knife and he I said no but I pushed down on his chest to steady him so he wouldn't move um, then uh, 
I cut open his chest and I ripped out his heart and then um then she had she had woken up and she looked up and I I picked her up out of the crib and threw her on the floor I didn't throw her on the floor I more or less I had a really strong grip on her and I put her on the floor and I pulled out her heart and I cut open her chest and heart I stuffed their hearts in my pockets and then I started to stab myself I stabbed myself three times and I was bleeding and I was like how come I didn't fall down like she did why did you bring three knives I felt like I don't know I would cross contaminate blood or something maybe like they would come back to life or something I don't know maybe they had worked out some kind of spell between all three of them did, did you think what you did was wrong no I thought I was doing the will of God what do you think now I don't think God would have had me kill him. So after he was done killing them, he took the knife and stabbed himself in the chest three times. He went downstairs where Laura was laying on the floor and he lay down next to her. 30 minutes go by before he realizes that he's not going to die. So he gets up and walks to his dad's place. Now, here's my thing with demons. They're supernatural, super strength. The three cuts that he had when he finally gets to the hospital, they said they were life-threatening. He had bled out for 30 minutes. He had life-threatening stab wounds to himself. And yet, he was able to walk five miles in the span of less than an hour. I don't know about you guys, but I can't do five miles in one hour. He walked five miles to his dad's house where he called his in-laws and he left that message that I played for you at the beginning of this podcast where he's saying that he needed help. He felt like he was in hell. When the police also asked him if he regretted killing them, he said, no, because they weren't them. I killed the demons inside of them. We've heard that before with Lori Vallow. And walking five miles in less than an hour, we heard that with Austin Haroff. Stabbing, we've heard that with other members that we've had shows with I mean this is a typical demon possession and not only that but this demon touched on his life his whole life because every time he wanted help he couldn't get it every time he tried to commit suicide he couldn't do it this demon kept him alive long enough to do these things that he did And does it in here? No. Andre decides he's reading the Bible in prison. And he decides reading Matthew 28. That 
it's better to give up a piece of yourself than have the whole go to hell. So, Andre plucked out his own eyeball. And let me let you sit with that for a minute. Because it's bad enough he did it once. Later on, he does it a second time to his other eye. This time claiming that people were listening to him and if he wanted them to stop listening or, or looking at him or whatever, then he would have to get rid of his second eye. So he plucks out his second eye and he eats it. My demon insiders, this is the demon. How do you do that to yourself? How do you pluck out both eyes knowing that you're going to be blind? Knowing that it's going to hurt a hell of a lot. I mean, he already knows how much it hurt. He did his first eyeball. Now, of course, they're saying he's insane. But he's still sane enough for them to have him on death row. If you get a chance to listen to his story uh, or read about him, it's a really fascinating story that brings up a lot of issues on mental health and mental health awareness and, you know, uh, how this guy fell through every crack there was. But for me, this was Andre Thomas fighting his whole life against a demon that decided to have him kill his family and if you notice in the interview he's still calling Laura his wife even though they're not together even though they're separated even though she's with somebody else so again guys I'd like to thank you for a good season season one uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this I trust me I've enjoyed this from the bottom of my heart you guys are the best I will start bringing back season two in October so get ready for that and we have so many more and what do I usually do when I play one I play a second one that's similar so guess what I found somebody else that ate an eyeball but until next season, you guys be safe. And don't let the demons get to you, man. They're out there. Take care of yourself. God bless. Don't forget to subscribe to The Demon Inside on Spotify, Anchor, or any other podcast directory or through our website, anchor.fm backslash The Demon Inside. A new episode of The Demon Inside comes out each Monday. Let us know what you think and join the conversation on our Demon Inside Facebook page and on Instagram. We thank you for listening and hope you'll join me next Monday for a new Demon Inside. If you enjoyed this episode, tell your friends. I'm John Venom. We'll see you next time, if 
I don't get possessed. The Demon Inside was created and written by James Porter. It's a production of Venomous Entertainment. Theme music, Demon Inside, is on the album Conjure One by Reese Fulber. Background music was created by Lucas Key.